You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Wednesday night. That means it is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast night. Talking some Bengals, talking all kinds of different things. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by John Sheeran. And we've got a big episode for you here, largely centered around a peek over the fence to check out what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we've got a couple of very special guests to help us do that. Uh, We're going to talk a little Larry Ogunjobi. We're going to talk a little bit of a remember when as well to sandwich around that interview. But that interview is pretty epic, uh, especially because of my co-host and a former Steelers player. They went back and forth. And speaking of co-host, John Sheeran, what's going on, my man? Uh, We had some fun with Ike Taylor a little earlier, you especially. Yeah, I've been thinking about that for the past, what, like eight hours since we did it? (laughs) There might have been a couple other things that maybe I should have said, but, you know, I feel like Ike is pretty good at what he does. He's transitioned seamlessly into the media and into the podcast world. I think he had some time with, like, NFL Network, so this is not... It's definitely not his first rodeo doing this type of stuff, and he's he really is a natural at it. So I can't wait for you guys to hear that along with Mark Virgin. Jay, Jay, doesn't he keep calling you Jay? I love it. I love when he <laughs> called you that. It was so funny. Uh, we did pre-record the interview, but we are going to share it with you in just a little bit. So hopefully you enjoy that. It is a, lo- a lengthy one, but it is entertaining as hell, I think, and not necessarily because of me, but because of my co-host and the two guests that we brought in, Mark Virgin and ike taylor from the believe in Steelers podcast so uh we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit before we do want to remind folks to get this show however they can which is on our youtube channel you can subscribe to it beneath john there uh and underneath the sb nation cincy jungle logo you can click the show icon to subscribe to the the program on youtube and the bell click that one to be notified when we go live when new content is available We appreciate that. And then, of course, on the audio side of things, you got to subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast. Leave us a review, five stars if you can, if you want to. We appreciate it. And that channel with our show, along with the great one from Matt Minnick, Coach Speak, and Chalk Talk, is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the major ones. We are there. Let's talk a little bit of an acquisition that um, I don't know if I want to call it a a slap in the face per se, but man, it's it just this, these, these AFC North teams, they really know how to just stick it to each other. And the Bengals kind of, I guess, if you want to use the word poached Larry Ogunjobi from the Browns, got him on a really team friendly one year deal last year. Ogunjobi parlayed that into a really outstanding season, turned that into what should have been a very lucrative contract with the Chicago bears, a three-year deal worth, 
tens of millions of dollars. Unfortunately, his ankle injury that he suffered in the playoff game against the Raiders caused him to fail a physical and not get that contract. So he has been searching for work since. He's probably had a couple of offers out there. Um, Now, John, after visiting, talking a little bit with the Bengals, we think, and visiting with the Jets, he lands with the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. Very quick, just boom, they they visit, signing, boom. I kind of had a feeling this was going to happen, but before I get to maybe what's ahead with the Bengals at that position and all kinds of different things, your thoughts on Larry Ogunjobi going again in the division his his third team, what in five years, five, uh, six years in the league, third team all in the division, right? Yeah, so third team in three years, and yeah, he's three fourths oh, yeah. away. Yeah, if you want to do that, I was I was thinking his whole career, right? But yeah, right. Yeah. He's, he's three fourths of the way through the division, so I guess yeah. Baltimore is next for him next year. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. I feel like it's definitely if you were to compare the last two years, cause the Bengals signed Ogan Joby, I think a week into free agency last year, the Browns, I guess, didn't really seem that interested in bringing him back. It never really seemed like a schematic fit. They wanted him to play a different position. Then he eventually played with the Bengals, but at least that was like in the heart of free agency. The Bengals had a plethora of chances to bring back Ogan Joby and they never did. Now we don't know what he was asking for. Even after the Bears deer, the Bears deal fell apart, but it clearly probably wasn't too much. You just got a one year deal. We still don't know the financials of, about it, but it can't be much more or even more at all compared to what he made last year. If it's if it's this late into the offseason. So I don't really look at it as like a tremendous loss. I understand the optics of it because he went to a division rival. But also, I think it's interesting because there is a perception about the Steelers and you know what their situation is in like the dynamics of the division. Yeah, you got to remember the Browns went to the playoffs and beat the Steelers in the playoffs. They had their first playoff win in like two decades with Ogan Joby on the roster. And then yep. he took a one year deal with the Bengals, who were the last place team in the AFC North. He kind of bet on, I guess, the Bengals being better and just him taking advantage of the opportunity. And he's kind of doing the same exact thing this time because the Steelers are looked at as the fourth best team in the division. But it's an opportunity for him to get significant playing time. They definitely need bodies there with Stefan Tuitt gone. He's going to get opportunities like that scheme typically allows those guys to eat up the middle. I am interested to see how he kind of fits there because I do kind of worry because he's going into, I think more of an odd front scheme on base downs. And I don't know if he's going to be too yapping a lot, which is what he did in Cleveland. That's why he wasn't that productive. I'd really do want him to, to be productive so we can eventually make bank next offseason like he should have this offseason. But I guess if you're going to look at it as a tremendous loss for some team, you got to go back to the Bears. Like they wanted to sign him for three oh, years, God, 40 yeah, million. Yeah. And now he's he's probably going to be fine. Like I I, won't, I don't imagine he's going to miss any time, even in the preseason or in training camp. Like if the Steelers signed him, obviously, I think they found that his foot is fine. So if any team is like the big loser here, it's definitely the Bears because they were planning on investing in him a ton. And maybe they were going to get him on a deal that's maybe smaller than what he could potentially sign next year by any other team. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I haven't been paying close attention to the bears, but I don't know that they have filled that void that they thought. Okay. They did immediately. Like it was Justin Jones signing like a two year, $11 million deal, which is why the whole thing was weird because it happened immediately after Larry's physical failed, which was a little, little sketchy to me. A little sketchy, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but I mean, I, I think obviously Justin Jones, Larry Ogunjobi, especially the year that Larry Ogunjobi had, you, if you're the Bears, that's a good point about them being, I guess, the quote-unquote losers in the situation. 
you know, you, you would have liked to have landed that contract and landed that player, et cetera. Uh, you hit the nail on the head for me in terms of when you look at the opportunity for Larry Ogunjobi. And now when we, when we did listener questions live last Friday, you said that you had thought that the Bengals probably have some form of a contract offer out there, likely a one-year deal, likely something very team-friendly because of the, ta- the the failed physical and all of that kind of stuff. I, you know, I, I tend to believe you on, in, on a lot of levels with that. But, um, you know, when you talk about where he was in Cleveland, he had to kind of settle for a one-year deal because it was deemed as a down year going to the Bengals, right? Then he has this great year at least you know for the most part with the Bengals seven sacks and uh, you know a valuable contributor early down contributor and then you know the injury and then he's he's got to settle for another one-year deal but the opportunity and you mentioned Stefan to its retirement and the fact that Ogan Joby now he probably had maybe his sights set on the Bengals and maybe thought you know this is probably where I may end up here if if nothing else comes to fruition but the fact now that the Bengals paid big money to BJ Hill and then probably gave him something that's more of a rental slash team friendly deal that is on the table or, or some that was a verbal offer or whatever the case may be. Now you look at the Steelers needing interior defensive line help because of Tuitt's retirement. Now you see again, even though it would appear that the Steelers are a little bit down the divisional pecking order in terms of talent for basing things off of last year and outlook of this year, it would seem that Ogan Joby would probably be getting more snaps and more playing time potentially, and could parlay that into a multi-year deal if he plays well with the Steelers, as opposed to the Bengals playing maybe behind BJ Hill and having that role flip from last year. Exactly. That, that whole dynamic I think has been kind of overlooked and it was Malik Wright who I think said it first before anyone that I heard, like, the fact that Ogan Joby was like the starter. I understand that BJ Hill still ended up playing like 700 snaps, almost the equal amount of snaps. But I think there is still a, 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 designate, a designation, a little bit of a difference in meaning of being the starter, being the guy who's out there, you know, first and being who's out there on the on the critical downs. I think there that does ultimately make a difference for these guys and for him to be the starter over Hill and then for Hill to get the contract to basically take that spot. I think it was always kind of unrealistic to expect Ogunjobi to accept the roles kind of reversed when he's still the same player and he still produced well enough to earn a big deal. So I think that ultimately matters. And I know fans kind of take it personal when, you know, a player doesn't want to resign with that team and even join a rival team, but money's money, man. And he lost out on a ton of it in March and he chose a destination that he felt was best for him to maximize um, his opportunities and get some money now and hopefully leverage that into more money later. So good for him to finally find an opportunity. I guess, like you, like you mentioned, like maybe if these visits didn't materialize, he had a visit with the Jets too early in the offseason, but that didn't turn into anything. If there wasn't any interest, maybe he would have been more open to joining the Bengals because he didn't really have any choices left. But as, as clear as day with what happened, he did end up getting some choices. So good for him. Good for him. Uh, it stings that it's with the Bengals' bitter rivals, but it is what it is. But now the question for the next couple of minutes before we get to our interview with uh, Mark Bergen and Ike Taylor, John, is I'm going to pull this up here. This is the Bengals at least listed on their roster um, sheet here. Defensive tackle 
Zach Carter, BJ Hill, DJ Reader, Tyler Shelvin, Josh Tupo. I mean, I know we've got guys that can kick inside. You know, you've got uh, Tisdale here listed as kind of both. Um, you've got Sample who kicks inside every once in a while, even as an edge player. Same with Khalid Kareem, et cetera. But when you look at the defensive tackle situation, they've got five on the roster. Undoubtedly, they would have liked to have gotten Larry Ogunjobi on a friendly deal. I don't know what, what, what happens here? What are the Bengals going to stay put? Are they going to be, do you think they're going to be happy with, Hey, we, we, this is kind of why we went with Zach Carter when we did on night two. Um, Or, or is this, Hey, you know, we, we like who we've got, but we're going to keep the feelers out on possibilities. Yeah. I think the, the Carter selection was very much influenced on the lack of depth that you see here on the screen. They, they have five natural defensive tackles and, you know, they have Tisdale, who I think played a little bit inside. Matt Minnick, who's in the chat, uh, I think posted a couple of clips of Tisdale when he was at Ole Miss. So definitely check that out on his Twitter. But I think that's what they're counting on, like him, you know, being that third string pass rushing defensive tackle in camp. A guy who can also play a little bit of five techniques. So over the tackle, they don't have a lot of guys there. You know, they have 88 roster spots or ro- rostered players and only six true interior players. So they better hope that they remain healthy or it could be a situation like in 2020 when they suffered a ton of injuries and they ended up calling Mike Daniels. And maybe Mike Daniels is the guy they call again if if they feel so inclined. So they got to hope they stay healthy in camp, though, because the depth there is it's not great, even though only at most five defensive tackles are making the team for the final roster. It, it's pretty thin. And, you know, there are a few that kind of fit a certain mold. And, um, you know, I mean, Carter's kind of a, a tweener guy. He's played some outside edge at, at Florida and then also played inside. So going to be interesting to see there. And then of course the Tyler Shelvin development project has to be something to be monitored here. Different player than Larry Ogunjobi most definitely, but um, you know, a guy that I, I think they like for certain packages and certain, I, I would think that's a guy you would, you would want to have out there, especially against the Baltimore Ravens and and potentially even the Pittsburgh Steelers, given some of the things we we're told about today and how they want to revamp the run game, et cetera. So um, yeah, I, I, but regardless, Larry Ogunjobi, a lot of folks wanted him back in Cincinnati. It didn't happen uh, now with the Steelers and the Bengals. I think they'll keep the feelers out. I think they'll probably look at the waiver wire and or maybe some cuts throughout the summer to see if something makes sense. Maybe, you know, and Dominican Sue is still floating out there. I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, you know, that's another interior defensive lineman that you could maybe get on a rental deal that could help you. Championship pedigree, all that kind of stuff, and uh, we'll see what happens. But Larry O now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, John, does it, does it sting for you? I mean, I kind of like, oh, man, that's just of all teams. I mean, I feel like it's it's more of a relief for me for him to find a place just because of what happened. Like it sucks yeah. that he wasn't that he wasn't you know been able to participate in the rest of the playoffs and then missed not all that money. I I just I honestly do feel happy for him. Like for all of what we say about Pittsburgh, it's it's a pretty solid organization with really good people in the building, and uh, I know that he'll get the snaps to make the most of it. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm more happy. you're 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 a you're a nicer guy than I am. I'm thinking so <laughs> selfishly about the Bengals and just want to stick it to the Steelers, and that's how it is. But anyway, we now are going to. We've talked a lot about the Steelers and the fact that Lario is there. We didn't really talk all that much about Lario going to the Steelers with these two, but we talked about a lot of different things with Mark Burgeon and. 
Ike Taylor, former defensive back for the Steelers, went up against Chad Johnson, A.J. Green, many, many others when he was with the Steelers, won a couple of Super Bowls with them. So a guy who knows a thing or two about the NFL. We are going to play this interview for you. We hope that you enjoy it. Uh, This is, again, continuing our AFC North preview. We talked with Justin from Engraven Vids, that great YouTube channel. Got to subscribe there. And, of course, we say it a couple times here, but – Go check out the Believe in Steelers podcast with Ike and Mark. You got to go get that on your favorite audio streamer, and and they have a YouTube channel and everything, so go check that out. But here is the interview that John and I conducted with them. It's 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 a long one, but, man, I we had a lot of fun doing it. So we hope you enjoy it as well. And, um, yeah, talked a lot of different things with these two. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So as we have been teasing for the better part of two weeks now, we have two very special guests joining us on the Orange and Black Insider to help continue our AFC North preview coverage for 2022. We have the hosts rejoining the program once again, this time together. We've had them separately on the program. We've got them both together, Mark Bergen and Ike Taylor of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Guys, thanks for joining us. How you how you both doing? I'm good. You know, it's it's the it's the orange and black collabing with the black and gold, Mark and I. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, fellas, thanks so much for having us on and putting me ahead of Ike Taylor. I don't know about that, Anthony, but <laughs> thanks for having us on. And I want to be the first to say thanks for sending over Larry Oak and Joby. We're gonna love him in oh. Pittsburgh. Oh boy, we'll get to that in a second. I yeah, I know that's uh, that one's not sitting well. With a lot of Bengals fans and those of us who cover the team, a, a good player there. Mark, you can catch him on WRAL. He's doing a lot of work down there in Raleigh on their uh, on the NBC affiliate, correct, Mark? Yes, sir. Along with the Believe in Steelers podcast. And, of course, Ike Taylor, Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steeler, Steelers and uh, a, a guy that was a thorn in the Bengals side for quite some time, a great player in his own right. Great to have both of them with us. Let's just uh, – start things off here gentlemen um 
what are we thinking about the the, the quarterback situation in, in Pittsburgh? That's kind of the big headline this year. Obviously, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the draft class as a whole. But um, you know, the, the Ben Roethlisberger was was at the end of his career. It was kind of time. I think a lot of us know that. But now you've got Kenny Pickett, Mitchell Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, kind of in the mix. I guess Mark, we'll start with you. How is how is that position group looking? at this point in time through early workouts and whatnot? And how do you kind of see that playing out as week one is on the horizon in terms of a starter? Yeah, whichever player ends up winning the quarterback battle will have earned it by the time we get through training camp preseason and then week one of the regular season. And so with Trubisky, it's one of those things, hopefully you can resurrect his career a lot like almost you saw with Ryan Tannehill with the Tennessee Titans and that you hope that he can stave off Kenny Pickett, the first round pick for as long as possible. Kind of the analogy I've been making is what the Kansas City Chiefs did with Alex Smith before they decided to turn over the reins with Patrick Mahomes. That's like best case scenario. Now, remember, Alex Smith was a Pro Bowl quarterback and took the Chiefs to the playoffs as well. But you understood and recognized that there was a limited ceiling and that Alex Smith wasn't going to lead the Chiefs to a Super Bowl title, which is you bring in Patrick Mahomes. The rest is history is now worth half a billion dollars. That's like best case scenario of how this plays out. But Pittsburgh gets the local kid, the kid who played right in their backyard, who's already accustomed to playing at, at, at Heinz Field. How cool is that? So to me, it's really going to be a two-man race. But now don't forget about Mason Rudolph either, who like, look, I know Steelers fans are going to point to, well, he tied a winless Detroit Lions team in the 2021 season but he has experience as a starting quarterback in this league as well. So I'm really excited. I mean, this is what we're going to be talking about. It's all off season, really, again, between now and the start of the 2022 season. And it's going to be a three-man race, but really a two-man race, in my opinion, between both Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. Ike, I want you to follow up as well with your thoughts on that, but I also kind of want to get your thoughts on what you saw out of Ben Roethlisberger, um, you know, you played with him at the height of his career, Hall of Fame player, and um, seeing him, you know, kind of struggle through the end of the season and whatnot, that must have been tough for you playing with him and seeing how great he he was and a, a fantastic career, obviously, but now the transition has to take place in Pittsburgh. In I, I, hold on, hold on. Did, did you ever think to, like, just text Ben and say, come on, man, enough, enough is enough. <laughs> like, like what, what are we doing out here? Hey, I, I, like, and... And Mark can attest to this. I always thought, you know, just because I, I want my goal is to be a general manager of some sort. And I've always been taught from Kevin Colbert is it's, it's cool to to let a player go a couple of years before then to hold on to him um, and not damage the team, but just hold on to him too long. And I just felt like Pittsburgh kind of held on to seven too long. You know, when 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 seven and we're talking about Big Ben. When Steven lost his ability to scramble and extend plays like he once did when he was younger, that's when you start to see the injuries kind of kind of pile on. That's when you start to see the interceptions. That's when you start to see the bad decisions. That's when you start to see uh, Seven not be immortal like he once was. You know, if you ask anybody who played the Pittsburgh Steelers from Terrell Suggs with the Ravens and company, you know, the sack and bend when he was young was never a guarantee. But for some reason, he always Houdini out of a sack, extended plays, and, and threw the ball downfield. So that's how I felt about Seven. I felt like Seven should retire or should have retired three years ago. Now, what people like to argue with me about is 
get to the playoffs. Uh, for the Pittsburgh, of course, T said the best. The standard is the standard. So the standard ain't getting to the playoffs. The standard is getting to the Super Bowl and having the chance to win the Super Bowl. So once we lost that, which the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't been to a Super Bowl since 2009-010 season, that's when I kind of knew, like, it's, 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 it's about that time for seven to hang up the cleats. But, of course, how can you tell a future Hall of Famer to hang up his cleats when he's been successful for so long, when he never had a losing season? It's kind of hard to tell a guy like that. You know, you you playing in the league 15-plus years, and you can honestly say, oh, be one of the only ones that say, I've never had a losing season. You know, so I understand from a player standpoint, from a general manager standpoint, I thought Pittsburgh should have let Ben go three years ago. Now, when it comes down to who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers between Pickett, Mason, or Mitchell Trubisky, it's like, I mean, the only really starter in the AFC North is Joe Burrow. Because Lamar Jackson, you don't know what's going to happen with the contract situation, so we really don't know who the starter's going to be in Baltimore. Well, Pittsburgh, it's going to be a fight between the three, between Mitch, Mason, and Pickett. And honestly, you know, with the Cleveland Browns, we don't know what's going to happen with Baker Mayfield or with Deshaun Watson, what the NFL is going to do with them. So, you know, right now, the only true starter in the AFC North is Joe Burrow. So, yeah, like in week one, that that's going to be the Steelers' first game is against the Bengals. Like the Steelers did start a rookie quarterback, you know, 20 years ago, Ben Roethlisberger. He won AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. So it's not completely out of the realm for a rookie to start for that franchise. But is there anything that like Trubisky, like what, what's the dynamic of, of that competition? Is it Trubisky has to be just like a, a much better quarterback than he was with the Bears to make sure that he continues to start over Pickett? Or is it more of Pickett just proving that he's well ahead of the curve as a rookie to get that week one nod? I think, Jay, that's 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 the key factor. If if the organization, if the coaching staff feel like Pickett is ahead of the curve, they're going to start him. And the only reason why they're going to start him is because now the strength to their team is on the defensive side. When Big Ben played and he was a rookie, where was the strength of the team? It was on the defensive side. You know, when you're when you're in the top five defense out of my 12-year career, we was top five for seven, we was top 10 for 10, we was top 15 for 12. So you're go- always going to give a quarterback a, a good scenario, a good situation when you're just in the top 10, period. The top five, of course, I think we was one, we was one and two, five years out of my career. So you can pretty much play anybody you want to and you're going to give yourself a chance to win ball games. Now, Super Bowls, I may not know, but heck, Big Ben won a Super Bowl, his rookie year started. So who's to say you can't do it? So, yes, if Kenny Pickett is ahead of the curve, of course, but I'm not going to doubt Mitch Trubisky. And Mark and I talk about this scenario between who's going to start. Um, and we say, or I say, and we say together that, you know, sometimes the grass ain't greener. But for Mitch Trubisky, the grass is so green. It's, it's a golf course green on what he has on the defensive side with Pittsburgh, what he has when it comes down to wide receivers, the trio that he have, tight ends. The only thing you can really say is the offensive line, and the offensive line got better from last year. And, of course, they added some pieces this year. And we want to talk about the running back situation. So Mr. Trubisky is not only a first-round draft pick as well, but he has an arm and he's super athletic. And Mr. Trubisky is a former Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. So I'm not going to discredit him as well. So when it comes down to Kenny Pickett, of course, John, I think the only – 
where they'll give denied. And that's a Pittsburgh still if they see a huge learning curve that's going to help out uh, Kenny Pick and the organization. And the only reason why they'll make that decision is because of strength of the defense. Yeah, and something we want to see with Trubisky as well, if in fact he is the starter, is utilize his leg, you know, run bootlegs, run designed RPOs, run, you know, read option plays because he can scoot. He has legs, and I think that's a facet of his game that wasn't really properly utilized in Chicago because, remember, when Trubisky was drafted in 2017, John Fox was the head coach. Then Matt Nagy and company comes in. So the head coaching staff that he dealt with in Chicago – wasn't the head coaching staff that initially drafted him when he got selected by the bears. So you get some stability and you have some legs and to do some things that you just weren't able to do these last several years with big Ben. It's no knock on the future hall of famer, but I, yeah, I can attest to the fact that you took a lot of grief from our listeners and viewers saying the Steelers should have moved on, but you look across the division and the young quarterback talent that exists with the other teams in the AFC North. And that was the thing with Big Ben as he got into the twilight of his career is, you know, he was on the back nine of his career, whereas these young quarterbacks, the Joe Burrows, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, just keep getting better and better with more and more experience that they get in this league. And so that's why the selection of Pickett made all the sense of the world at number 20, because you look at next year's draft, and I don't care if it's C.J. Stroud, I don't care if it's Bryce Young, the Steelers never bottom out. They're not going to be in a position to draft one of those top elite blue chip quarterbacks in next year's draft in the 2023 draft. Talking with Mark Bergen and Ike Taylor of the Believe in Steelers podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, good partnership we have with that organization. We've got a lot of great guests, including these two, joining us and helping us preview the division and namely the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, Mark, you uh, said the word stability and stability and the Pittsburgh Steelers is synonymous. And that goes hand in hand with the head coach, Mike Tomlin. But here's the thing, you know, Ike, you, you also mentioned it, that it's been a little while and there's the Super Bowl standard in Pittsburgh. It's been a little while since the Steelers have made the big dance there. And um, yes, there's, not a losing season in Tomlin's record either, but now he is hitching his wagon to, you know, some quarterbacks with questions. I, I do think to your guys' point, Trubisky's best shot in terms of reviving his career probably is in a place like Pittsburgh because of the organizational stability there. But um, what's, what's kind of the long-term outlook in both of your guys' opinion with Mike Tomlin? Is it just, you know, his job until he wants it based on his resume and what he has done, or is the pressure kind of, dialed up a little bit even though we know the Steelers really really value stability and don't like to switch out coaches and whatnot I mean it, what, what's kind of the long-term outlook there with Tomlin in terms of hey let's just say this is another you know 500-ish season um I don't know there is there a long longer leash I guess because of rookie quarterback all that kind of stuff like you take this first and then I'll follow not coach T's just too easy to play for you know, if you ask anybody who played with Coach T, um, it, you can even ask, you know, the Cleveland Brown star corner, star corner Joe Hayden, who left Cleveland and came to Pittsburgh still. You know, Coach T is just too easy to play for. You know, Coach T, Coach T, when it comes down to his cerebral point of view, uh, he's one of the few coaches who can pretty much just simplify everything. You know, and he's one of the coaches who will ask a player, what do you see on the field? Like, okay, this is what I see on tape, but you're out on the field. So, you know, it's a few people that he'll ask, and it's probably a veteran guy, but 
what you see instinctively. And for a head coach and for a coach to have that kind of stability and for Coach T resume, when a coach come to you and ask you what you see or you'll sit down and meet with Coach T and Coach T say, you know what, on third down, I'm giving this defenses these three calls. It's on y'all and what y'all want to call on the field. You don't get that too often. It's a lot of egos at that head coaching job. It's just a lot of egos at that point in time of being a professional, period. But when you have a coach who's open-minded on what the players see and feel on the field, see and feel on the field, it's just, like I say, man, it's just too easy to play with Coach T. Coach T, stability ain't going nowhere because regardless of what the outside world say, the Roonies and, and that organization, they tune and they mute everybody out. That's why they're always in a position, not only to make the playoffs, but just to keep things going. Now, just because of that quarterback situation with the nine mobility that Ben gave them for the past couple of years, I think the organization, not I think, I know the organization kind of knew that. So, you know, that gave Coach T a lifeline. With with that lifeline, he got another contract, I think, to 2024. You know, so Coach T know exactly what he's doing. In my mind, he has a fresh start with a new set of quarterbacks. And right now, the way this NFL is going, that's exactly what you want. You want two good quarterbacks, possibly three, sitting on your bench. One can be trade bait. You just never know. So we 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 didn't watch, you know, uh, the Green Bay Packers are in a situation with Aaron Rodgers in their first round draft pick. We've watched Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes be in this situation. We've watched Tommy Maddox and Big Ben be in that situation. If you want to go back to even Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, they was in that situation. If you want to go even further back to Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady, they was in the same situation. I think now GMs and coaching staffs, they look at it as more trade bait. So the only thing, the only problem they have now is a good problem, which quarterback I want to keep. You know, so that's, that's, that's how it is nowadays when it comes back to that quarterback situation. And that's the situation Coach T is finally in now. I'll it's take the, okay, go, go ahead, ahead John. No, no, no. I was, I was going to move on. Go ahead, Mark. I'll take this in a little bit of a different direction. If there's one clip that sums this up the best to me was a few years back, Coach T was ta- uh, mic'd up on the sideline and he's talking to Chase Young. The, at the time, he was a rookie for the Washington football team. And he looks at him, he says, I'm never in a position to draft a guy that looks like you. And that's because he's never had that losing season to where he can get a top five pick in the draft. So in a certain extent, he's a victim of his own success because the Steelers haven't won a playoff game since the 2016-2017 playoffs. So it's been five years, but they never bought him out to get that elite level talent that you would expect you know, to be able to get some of the top caliber talent in this league. And when he came on our show, on the Believe in Steelers show, we got such great feedback, Ike, and it got my it got me thinking about, okay, what's the bigger picture in all of this? He can stay in Pittsburgh or be a coach in this league for as long as he wants to be because of what the players say about him consistently, even once they've left the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. But I look at this upcoming season. We've got Thursday night football on Amazon Prime, and you see the money that they're forking over to bring in high caliber broadcasters and the fact that Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet are going to be announcing Fox just locked up Tom Brady for when he decides to hang it up and you see the money that's there. Amazon also went after Sean McVay who decided to remain the Rams head coach. But now that these tech streaming companies are getting involved in the broadcast rights for football, 
I think it could get to the point where, say, the Netflixes of the world, the Amazons of the world, Apple, Google, Facebook, if they want to get in the game and say, hey, we want the live rights to football, to, to the NFL, if they offer Mike Tomlin the amount of money, like he did our show, he's done Rich Eisen, and Ike, he, he just did your former teammate Ryan Clark's show, The Pivot. And if you look at the feedback from each of those interviews where he's relaxed, he's around people that he is familiar with. Ike, you played for him for several years in Pittsburgh. Ryan Clark played for him for several years. You see that he has the gift of gab, and it's very, very genuine. If and when he decides he wants to become a broadcaster or an analyst, there's going to be a number of networks lined up. And I'll leave you with this as well. We had John McClain of the Houston Chronicle on our show probably about a year ago. And he was talking with me before the start of the show, and he's covered the NFL for 45 years. And he said, if the Steelers ever decided to get rid of Mike Tomlin, if he wanted to, he would have a head coaching job from one of the other 31 teams by sundown on the same day. So you're talking about that kind of caliber of as a coach. He's going to be in Canton when it's all said and done. If he wants to remain a coach, if he wants to become a broadcaster, I personally think he's going to move to that broadcast booth sooner rather than later. I don't know when it'll be. I don't think it'll be the next year or two. But further down the line, I think that's in Mike Tomlin's future. We got to think, you know, now, now's a good time for Tomlin to stay because his team is finally spending money on free agents. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're giving Mika Fitzpatrick actual guaranteed money beyond the first year. It's kind of a transition from that side of things organizationally. And this offseason in free agency, there was a focal point on the offensive line, you know, re-signing Chuck, you know, signing two free agents in the interior. I just remember when they drafted Najee Harris, who I love as a person. I think he's a phenomenal character. I just remember thinking – yeah, he's great, but like, he's going into an offensive line that's not very good. And we did see the ramifications of that and his effectiveness not being fully utilized behind last year's version of the offensive line. Do you guys think that with these additions and this investment in the offensive line, is it enough to get the most out of Najee in this second year? See, that's why I think Najee is the best on one of the, the top five running backs in the league. When you look at Nick Chubbs and Kareem Hunt, the, you know, and, and regardless on the talent of the two, I mean, they got a fire offensive line. You know, when you look at Najee, and Najee had over 1,000 yards, and what he did despite the offensive line, you got to be like, man, it's a heck of a, a, a rookie running back. So he got to be in my top five. When you look at Jonathan Taylor, you know, it's hard to get 1,800 yards. You know, Jonathan was one of the only few in, in, in the Derrick Henry's where, you know, they're, they're built their team towards the running backs. You know, you build your team towards Nick Chubbs, Kareem Hunt. If you're Tennessee, you build your team towards uh, Henry. And and that's just what it was. Pittsburgh didn't build their team towards, you know, uh, Najee. You know, their team has always been built around seven. So you get a young stud and a young stud come in as a rookie. And the first thing Coach Tomlin says is, I want to see him pick up the third down blitz. <laughs> like, I know what he needs to do from the running back standpoint. Can he be on the field all three all three downs? So the fact that the young man came in and, and displayed and showed during training camp, I could be on the field for all three downs, show how valuable he was. And not only that, at the point in time, seven was like, well, they asked seven, Big Ben, will Najee come out in the backfield? And we saw him catch the ball out of the backfield. Now I think Matt Canada will use him more coming out of the backfield because he's going to open up because now he has younger legs at that quarterback position. So, yeah, I look at Najee as one of the top five running backs in the 
league. And the reason why, because what he did as a rookie with the OK offensive line, and this year I expect more with less carries. I think Coach T said that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to give, give him less carries and let the man come out of the backfield. So he'll be a dual threat, just how they use Le'Veon Bell in his early years. Ooh, I like it, Ike. And remember, last season, you're starting two rookies on the offensive line and Dan Moore Jr. and Kendrick Green. Kevin Dotson, the left guard, a second-year player as well. So they were young and experienced, and the best way to get better and to develop is to get that game experience. And a couple things I want to see with Najee this year. I don't want to see him lead the league in touches again, which he did as a rookie last season. And everyone's calling for a 2,000-yard campaign from Najee. I don't want to see that either. Who can be the Robin to Najee Harris as Batman? That's one of the big question marks that I have for the Steelers entering this upcoming season. Talking with Mark Bergen and Ike Taylor, the duo of the Believe in Steelers podcast joining us. Hopefully they've got a couple more minutes uh, as we start wrapping things up, getting a peek over the fence to check out what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Ike, you mentioned top five. And there was an interesting quote from an offensive player on the Pittsburgh Steelers on a uh, podcast this week in Chase Claypool, wide receiver, claiming he is a top three and or top five wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, along with him, I mean, he's obviously got athleticism and talent. Um, there's there's George Pickens they just drafted, and we'll we'll pull up the, the draft picks here. But how's that wide receiver group looking in your guys' estimation this year? I mean, they've got some talent there, but it seems as if consistency or at least over the past couple of seasons has been a little bit of a problem whether it's with drops and Deontay Johnson Chase Claypool kind of being up and down here and there so I, I just kind of wanted to get your guys feel of that group because there are a lot of talented wideouts in this in this division here who draft better wide receivers than the Pittsburgh Steelers nobody you can just go back from the Stallworth to the Lynn Swan errors that that duo then if you want to fast forward that you can look at Hines Moore, Plexico Burris, Antoine Randall. Then if you want to look at that point, you can look at they so they let they let Antoine. Antoine went to the Redskins, Flex went to the Giants. So now you have Santonio Holmes, uh Hines Ward, and Mike Wallace. Then you let Santonio Holmes go and you let <laughs> Mike Wallace go. So now you have Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown. So then Mike go and get paid with Minnesota. Uh, Emmanuel will go to Denver. So now you got AB, Juju, and Chase. So now you got so now you got Chase right now with Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. So that's just something the Pittsburgh Steelers do at the wide receiver position. You know, they draft them well. They get Hall of Fame receivers. Um, if it's one position you're not going to cut short or you can't say the, posi the position the Pittsburgh Steelers don't draft well, you can't say the wide receiver position. So, yeah. When Chase made that that statement, and Mark and I talked about it last night on our show, like Chase, athletic athletic wise, yeah, he is a top three receiver. It's the maturity part. So, and that's the part Chase got to overcome. And I think Coach T was in Chase defense when he had that little mess up or that little hiccup for the Minnesota Vikings game. You know, he's Coach T came to his defense and said, you know what, he's a young, he's a young guy. He's going to make mistakes. This is why I'm here. Not only I'm here for coaching, but I'm here to mentor these these young men and make them men on and off the field. That's why you got to love Coach T. But when it comes down to Chase, what can't he do? You know, he can get past you deep. He can jump and get the rebound off the basketball hoop. He can break a tackle and make a, a six-yard gain, an eight-yard gain, and 
he does something, him and George Pickens do something that has to be a want to. And we talk about this all the time. It's blocking. So when you got two receivers who want to block, who wants to put on tape, who wants to make a statement, what does that help? That helps your running game because you're able to get out on the perimeter. And for opposing corners and safety, they got to know not only do I have to cover this guy, but it's going to be a dogfight because all he want to do is create violence on my side of the ball. Yeah, and speaking of violence with George Pickens in the Bergen household, Ike, I've got the clip on loop of George Pickens absolutely kicking butt against the Georgia Tech defensive back. And if I squint my eyes, the Georgia Tech logo in their uniforms kind of looks like the Baltimore Ravens. And I love that attitude that he brings at the receiver position. Now, I don't want to see him get ejected from a game, but that nastiness and that mean streak to want to dominate your defender play after play after play after play. I hope he brings that to the receiver room as a rookie because you're talking about a very talented but a young group. Pretty much everyone on the offense is 25 and younger. Deontay Johnson is the elder statesman. He's 25 years old entering a contract season following a Pro Bowl season. So Chase has to raise his level of play. He has to be mature. He has to understand down distance and situation of games to where yeah, it, it for him, it's between the ears. It's from, you know, from the neck down, you like what you have. But in the waning seconds against Minnesota, when he decides to celebrate instead of preserving valuable time on the clock while you're trying to come back and win a football game, just understand the scenario of the game. But for me, I'm really excited about this receiver group. And I like who they bring in with George Pickens and then Calvin Austin, the third out of Memphis as well, because like Ike said, if, if there are two positions that the Steelers know and draft best, it's wide receiver and it's the linebacker position. You know, I think we could have a whole show for a debate about who drafts receivers better, because I know Bengals fans are going to hear that comment and maybe I don't know defend why, their own team there. I don't, they, I don't even know why they're going to say that other, other than man, y'all need to stop. that. Y'all need to, I'm talking about, Hall of Fame receivers. You taking Antonio Brown in his prime, other than other than Jamar Chase, other than Jamar Chase and Ocho, you taking Antonio Brown in his prime over every other receiver y'all had over there. I mean, AJ was pretty good, you know. I'm just saying it's comparable. That's all I'm saying. Well, what's comparable? The the talent level, the the consistency in the drafting. You know, it, it, I think it's a debate. It, Okay, and they're like I say, just my personal opinion, Jay. <laughs> you taking A B over pretty much everybody other than Jamar Chase or Ocho. Correct just correct me if I'm wrong. And I'm giving Jamar Chase hella props because what he did last year as a rookie, that was it's it's unheard of. So there's no there's no ceiling for Jamar Chase. I feel like Ocho has been slighted over his campaign and getting in the in the Hall of Fame. Now, mm. RIP, RIP to my West Virginia Mountaineer, Chris Henry would have been on his way if he wasn't in that incident as well, that car incident. So other than them two, man, it's hard. Who you who you gonna take? Who you gonna take that you have other than them two? Name two other guys you're gonna take over Antonio Brown. Look from a wide from a wide receiver point, like I feel like AJ would have been pretty good with Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback. I, I feel like maybe there would have been a little bit more respect for him if he didn't have Andy Dalton for eight or nine years. But no, the no, fact that no, 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 because Carson, Carson, 
Carson Palmer wasn't bad. Don't forget, y'all had a trio as well. Y'all had y'all had TJ, y'all had Ocho, y'all had Chris Henry. And, and y'all wind up having a tight end as well. And y'all had Rudy sitting in the backfield. You still ain't answered my question, Jay. Who are you taking over? <laughs> What's the question here? Who went taking over Antonio Brown? I think AJ was probably more talented than Antonio Brown. I'll say it. I think Chad was phenomenal. Oh, my Lord. No. What's wrong with that? There, there. <laughs> His body of work. Who taking over AB? Other I mean, than other than Jamar Chase and Ocho, we're, we're talking his body of work. Wow, I mean, were we talking the last three years too, or are we leaving that out? Well, look, say what you want about that, John. He has I a Super care. Bowl ring too. He has a Super Bowl. <laughs> like, look, look. We, we, all right, take 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 the Super Bowls out. AB, he will go. I don't know how long it's gonna take. He will be in the Hall of Fame. Name a receiver from Cincinnati over the past 15 years that you can say, you know what, he's in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if I can say that about AJ, and I feel like I can't because yeah. I never won a playoff game, and unfortunately that's just part of it. Your original point, though, was that who drafts better receivers than the Steelers, and I'm looking at the Bengals' past 10 years, and they drafted four high-quality receivers. I'm just saying it's comparable. Like, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, you can take nobody over Heinz Ward. You start with the ball to the table. I'm, the I'm not even going to go there. Oh, yeah, you, you uh, well, my, my thing my thing with it is if it seems like, and I correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like the Steelers are, and the Bengals are good in the second round in terms of who they've drafted a wide receiver over the years. Chad was a second-round pick. You look at who she was a seventh-round pick. All of those players. But it seems like the Antonio Browns, Chase Claypool, Juju, all of these productive wide receivers that they have drafted have been non-first-rounders. When you look at T. Higgins, borderline first-rounder, Jamar Chase, you know, top, top 10 pick. And then of course you've got AJ top five pick. Um, you know, obviously you look at that and you say, well, the Bengals grabbed an, who was an elite talent right there in the first round. Right. Whereas the Steelers, I right. think have grabbed others outside they, of the first round that have been immensely talented. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they go find receivers. They, they, it's, it, we don't want, we as an organization, we don't want the luxury of having a first round talent that's not going to make the hall of fame. You know what? We're gonna get the Lance one. We're gonna get the John Style, John Style works. We're gonna we're gonna produce, and we're gonna make sure they're productive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't have that kind of. The only luxury we had is the first round was who? Antonio Holmes. Uh, other 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 than Tone, everybody else second, third, and fourth, fifth. AB was a sixth round draft pick. Six round draft pick. Don't get them first round. Okay, between Julio or AJ, which one I want to take? Nah, we don't get them. <laughs> we get them. You know what? Let me go find that diamond in the rough. <laughs> you know, let me find that diamond in the rough guy that we can hopefully make into a Hall of Famer. You still ain't answering my question, Jay. I'm still waiting on that. <laughs> I'll hop in here. Let me hop in here really quickly too. I love the old school tribute to Lynn Swan and John Stallworth, the 1974 draft. Four Hall of Famers for the Steelers in one draft? That's unheard of. Yeah, I get well, it. Winning, winning the Super Bowl helps. I get it. Yeah, 100%. How about Isaac Curtis? How about Isaac Curtis, a guy who changed the game back in the day as well? If we're going to talk about John Stallworth, if we're going to talk about Lynn Swan. And by the way, I'm a USC guy, so Lynn Swan, great player. I like him. So, uh, you know, you got to give a little shout-out to Isaac Curtis as well. 
I'm 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 for for a Cincinnati fan. I'm gonna give a major shout out to my dog Chris Collinsworth. I'm, I'm gonna oh, give hey. there we go, Ike. <laughs> shout out to Chris. Uh, I love I love where this I love where this went. I love where this interview went. Talking with Mark Bergen and Ike Taylor of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Two great guys spending a lot of time with us. We've taken up a lot of time with it uh, of theirs, and we are appreciative of it. But guys, I guess this is a good place potentially to close it because we're we're running up against uh, some time here for you guys. And let's we've talked kind of about what the Steelers have done, the outlook of things, the quarterback position and stuff. But now from your seats looking into the Cincinnati side of things and what the Bengals maybe surprisingly to a lot of people achieved last year, where they are headed and where the Steelers are headed and just how this division is shaping up in your guys' estimation. Obviously the Steelers are kind of doing a lot of different things to, I don't know if rebuilds the right word, maybe retool, but uh, where, where do you see the Steelers in the mix of things where this rivalry is headed and the viability of the Bengals from the Steelers side of things, because I know Ike, you have seen a lot of talented Bengals teams face to face and the consistency issue has plagued the Bengals. The big game issue has plagued the Bengals yet this team and Joe Burrow seem to have gotten past that hump a little bit. Joe cool is the answer. Like Joe, that kind of personality dropping a dime every time he passes it, that don't come come around too often that 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 young man Joe Burrow he is the answer you know and, and, and right now they are at the top and I would put them at the top of one the AFC and of course the AFC North that's that's just what it is because y'all have a good trio so you have Jamar Chase who came in as a rookie to the league up it made T Higgins even better and we all know what Tyler doing the slot Tyler cuts up he acts a fool in the slot so yeah y'all got nice and we we know what y'all running if you're gonna gain anything in the world it starts and ends with joe cool so healthy what's the sense that they got going on on the offensive side man it's gonna be hard to top that yeah i'll uh i'll hop in here too I think what the Bengals did this offseason in adding Lyle Collins and Alex Kappa along the offensive line to make sure that you protect your investment in Joe Burrow is a lot of what the Chiefs did going into last season to protect Patrick Mahomes and what the Chiefs did to retool their offensive line. So it's, hey, let's make sure we can keep Burrow upright after he had a league-leading 51 sacks against him and still managed to win a playoff game on the road against the number one seeded Tennessee Titans, despite the fact that he got sacked nine times in that game. So now you fortify your offensive line and you correct something that was a huge issue for the Bengals last season. I'm curious to see, yeah, do they have that Super Bowl hangover? And then to me, a couple looming questions I have would be, you know, how long it de- is Deshaun Watson suspended? He's going to face a suspension of some sort. But then the Ravens coming back, and they were absolutely decimated by injuries a season ago. It wasn't just Lamar Jackson, uh, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, your, your two running backs. Their corners missed time. They had a linebacker out, Ronnie Stanley, on the offensive line. So they had injuries at key positions, and that's part of the reason why the Ravens fell off last season and lost the final six games. 
of the 2021 season. So it's going to be a competitive division again. I personally think it's going to be Bengals and Ravens kind of at the top of the division and then the Steelers right in the mix there too. But I'm never going to count Mike Tomlin out just given what his resume has been in the last 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. John, any anything else you want to ask these esteemed gentlemen before we let them plug their great show and get them on out of here? Yeah, just real quick. Um, any comments on LaShawn McCoy not seeing any difference between Kenny Pickett and Joe Burrow? <laughs> Man, LaShawn tripping. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow proved this when he was at LSU. Like he he proved the more pressure you put, the more what we so called call pressure. <laughs> he like, man, this is just another day in the park for me. Hey man, this this pick guy's gotta stick together though. You know, nah, that's the you see you took the words out of my mouth. Like what <laughs> pick guy? Kenny's a pick guy. So of course he's gonna have to pull this guy up. I get it. But ain't no ain't no way. Ain't ain't, ain't no way you can put Pickett in Joe Burrow category. The dude, the dude different. He different. He different. And I, I don't like using the word different, or you can only use like Tom Brady is different. You know, um Aaron Rodgers is different when it comes down. Joe Burrow different, bro. And this this is proven. Just go back to the LSU days. So they were saying, oh, you know, he had all these five-star recruits and blase, blase. Joe Burrow, like, okay, well, I came to the NFL and before I got hurt my rookie year, I was lighting y'all butt up too. And by the way, since y'all like the Baltimore Ravens so well, I didn't put up 200. My receiver put up 200 something yards. I did a four piece and a five piece. So out of my five, damn near 5,000 yards I didn't have. I didn't put 900 up on the Baltimore Ravens. So what are we talking about? So nah, I ain't, I'm not even going, I'm not even going to do that. <laughs> Joe Burrow, that young man is different. He has the personality. He, he will be the next face, the next face for the NFL mm. for a long time. That man could have pulled off this Cincinnati Super Bowl. You would have had to put him in a position. You would have had to talk about him being one of the greats. But he will be one of the greats. Um, I don't think it will be a Super Bowl hangover for the Cincinnati Bengals. And the only reason why I think that is because of Joe Burrow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, to say that about Pickett coming in as a rookie, like, so he has to lead the Steelers to a Super Bowl appearance in his rookie season. Like, I, I want to see see what he can do. I mean, heck, let's see a preseason game before we we draw any conclusions, let alone what he could do in a regular season game. So, I'm not even going to go there because it's just like what Joe Burrow has done already for the Bengals to put that on picket and to say you have to perform at that level, I think is unfair to a rookie. What Joe Burrow, he playoffs solidifies yeah. how good yeah. he, he really is. You know, to go on the road, to get sacked nine times, Tennessee, to come back and win that game, to take KF, to take KC, and we all know what Patrick Mahomes and the offense can do. And the goal from, from shot to shot, you shoot a three, I shoot a three. You shoot a three, I shoot a three. You shoot a three, I shoot a three. That's what Joe Burrow do. And we all know where he's going. He's going to Jamar Chase, and he's going to make the play for him. Now he got T. Higgins and, and Tyler and, and working in the slot. Man, it's, 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 it's hard. That young man, when that young man gives the call in that huddle, and when Cincinnati and when that group sees Joe Burrow, 
you know, sitting under that center. It's all the confidence in the world. You can just see it. Well, high praise from uh, a guy who knows good quarterback play and uh, who had a, an excellent NFL career himself. Guys, this has been awesome, awesome, awesome. We appreciate your time immensely. Before we get you on out of here, uh, tell us a little bit about your show. I'm sure everybody knows about it by now, but it is the Believe in Steelers podcast with Ike Taylor, Mark Bergen, part of the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys go, got going on. And Mark, we... I. Just for the sh- our show, I did superimpose. I did put your face next to Ike on that logo there. So we, we gave you a little bit of a, a shout out there too. It's uh, you're, you're right next to Ike. But tell us a little bit about your show. I appreciate that, Anthony. Yeah, uh, Ike, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. It looks beautiful. It looks beautiful, Anthony. The black and gold on your screen right now on your esteemed Bengals podcast. So thank you so much for having us on. But yeah, in the off season, Ike and I, we go once a week. Once we get into the regular season, really preseason, we'll probably start up twice a week again. So Monday reaction shows and then Friday preview shows to preview the weekend ahead. But Ike, we got a lot of fun things planned between now and the start of training camp in the off season. So you get to have a little bit more creativity because there's not as much going on. But even in the off season, there's been so much because we have the Minka Fitzpatrick extension, Larry Oak and Joby, which again, thank you for sending him our way to Pittsburgh. I was glad to see, okay, can't pass a physical with the Bears, and then we'll get him on a sweetheart one-year prove-it deal in Pittsburgh. But I, I always have so much fun doing the show with you week in and week out, and I, I feel like every time we record, I learn something new about the league. So um, it, I'm really, really fortunate, and I've got the best co-host in the world and Ike Taylor. Hey, Ant and John, I appreciate y'all inviting us on the show. Thanks for the collab. Make sure y'all tune in to the Believe in uh, Network. Make sure y'all tune in to Mark and I Believe in Stillers podcast. All we do is spit fire, and we drop gems, and we are very insightful, and we are very entertaining, and that's just a good show overall. So make sure y'all give us a five-piece if you know anything about chicken or fries, meaning five stars every time y'all rate and review us. Love it. You guys, you guys are awesome. We appreciate the time and we appreciate you guys making a lot of time for us today. I know uh, you're both very busy, but we, this has been awesome and we can't thank you enough. Hopefully we can do it again, maybe in the season when these two teams clash again. But uh, yeah, for, as, as I said, definitely go check out the Believe in Steelers podcast on your favorite platform. Thank you guys. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up with you soon. Likewise, John, you still answer my question, bro. (laughs) Antonio Brown was good. Appreciate it, fellas. Oh man, that was just freaking epic. Uh, That is just so funny. Um, I I almost want to make listener questions live. Like John, you never answered my question, man. Like Jay, you never answered my question. That's that's got to be the theme today. For the record, I feel like I answered it three times. You did. You actually, I I feel like you did. I feel like you did. Um, and, And you know, the Steelers did bring in some first round picks you know i i we put in the live chats here plaxico i think plaxico burris was a pretty good first round pick they used at some point but um i mean i i actually to your point i do think that there is a very good debate to be had in terms of both of these teams and how they draft wide receivers traditionally you look across the board whether it's a high pick in the first round whether it's lower picks they that is a position that these teams value I think the Bengals value it more in the first round than the lower rounds like the Steelers do. But, I mean, you, you can't really – when you look at Chad, 
one of the best receivers really ever, um, especially for his era. Uh, in the second round, you look at Hoosh, you know, seventh round pick. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth that could be had with that debate. There is not a ton of consistency when it comes to the Bengals as a 55 year old franchise. Drafting and developing receivers is definitely one. Like, Pickens, that's a second rounder. In, in the pick in the 90s as well, you got Carl Pickens, you got Darnay Scott. In the yep. 80s, you had Chris Collinsworth. If Isaac Curtis won four Super Bowl rings in the 70s, like Lynn, Lynn Swan and John Starworth, he would be in the Hall of Fame. Like if Chad Johnson and AJ Green had any playoff success, we wouldn't be worrying about their Hall of Fame status. And just in the past five years, like they've drafted the three guys that are starting for them, and they're all arguably top 30 receivers. It's absolutely a debate. Right. And and Mark rightfully pointed out the 74 class of the Steelers and how many Hall of Famers that that class had. But um, not, you know, you, you could look at a lot of players in the 70s and 80s for the Bengals, namely Ken Anderson, Isaac Curtis, two guys, Ken Riley in there as well. I mean, those are guys that all should be in the Hall of Fame at this point in, in time. And there's three guys, you know, that that are from that era and from that generation of Bengals that should all be in there. And just because they don't have all of the rings that the Steelers have, um, we're, we're having a different form of a conversation. But, John, for a quick remember when you actually were talking wide receivers, we're talking value picks at wide receivers, and very few have held as much value, albeit on just one contract with the Bengals, but very few have held the type of value as the player you're going to spotlight and the remember when this week. Hell, I mean, when they had AJ Green in his prime, he had some pretty solid complimentary mm-hmm. receivers, and one of them was found in the fifth round in Marvin Jones. Now, you got to remember, like, it was Mohamed Sanu as the starter across from AJ in, like, 2012 when they just had a bunch of young – like, Armand Benz was a starter for a few weeks yeah. in 2012. Kind yeah. of a throwback there 10 years ago. But Marvin Jones didn't really start to come into his own until, like, the later part of the 2012 season. And then in 2013 is when he got – a little bit more of an opportunity and leading up to around the middle of the season, you know, he was, again, he was a role player. He had like a handful of targets a game, but Halloween weekend of 2013, the New York jets came to town and the Bengals just walloped them. Now it wasn't too common that the Bengals completely blew out someone in general, but especially in Paul Brown stadium. But this, this game was different (laughs) 49 to three against the Jets. I think this was the first time the Jets came to Cincinnati since the playoff game in 2009. So maybe some some demons being exercised there by Mar- by Marvin Lewis. But the other Marvin, Marvin Jones, man, four touchdown performance against the Jets. He, he scored 28 or I guess 24 of the 49 points that the Bengals scored in that game. And Anthony, I want I want to share this uh, picture that I found watching these highlights of Marvin Jones kind of dominating uh, against the Jets secondary, because I was watching these highlights, this graphic came up on the screen when they were shown on ESPN. Marvin Jones was the third player in the last 10 years at the time with four receiving touchdowns in the game. The other two, at least for my money are two of the greatest receivers of all time. If not the two greatest receivers of all time, Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. Like when, mm-hmm. I, when I when I read that, <laughs> it just like started laughing out loud. Like Randy Moss, T.O. Marvin Jones. It was just such a random like out of the Silly. blue performance because Marvin Jones, I think at the time he was ascending, and I think a lot of people recognized that he was talented. 
but that game was just wild to think Adam Jones had like a pick six as well. Yeah, they scored seven touchdowns in that game. But it was like these four touchdowns that made up half of his catches for 122 yards. They were all in like the red zone, too. They weren't like spectacular. I think one was like a pretty good toe tapping grab on the sideline. But it was like it was the play that just always worked. It was like that one cheat play in Madden that you just knew would work against a certain <laughs> coverage in a certain scenario. And Dalton was just here throwing up one, two, three, four out of nowhere. Remember when Marvin Jones put up a four piece, as Ike Taylor would say, against the Jets secondary. I love it because this is – I got a real soft spot for this guy, and I hope at some point we can maybe get him. I know he's not a Bengals player anymore, but I, I had the pleasure of meeting this guy in San Diego in – you know, it was just in a hotel in an elevator. Quite honestly, one of the nicest, most genuine guys I have ever met. And I've met a lot of good people, both, you know, being Bengals players or, you know, Bengals content creators. We've worked with a bunch of great content – I mean, I've met a ton of – of very nice people. And this guy, I just remember of all the Bengals players that I have met just top of, you know, told him I was from Orange County. Oh, my dad was from Orange County. And it, you know, just like, you know, and, and the thing that you always remember about him, the smile, right? right? He had this just million dollar smile uh, has this million dollar smile, a great guy, great family man. And just a, you know, really, really nice. The, the nice, happy-go-lucky guy that you saw on the field that was smiling and having fun playing football seemed to be the guy, at least in my impression and my brief meeting with him. I, I just really have a soft spot for this guy. And I think also I, we, we were playing some of the clips there, courtesy of, of Bengal Jim and his Twitter account there and, and some NFL network highlights. I think, was it one where he just like got flipped and ended up landing really yeah. weirdly on his arm? And I was just like, did he just like totally break his arm in four different places? Because it was like, it was like the most awkward fall. And then he just popped back up and Hey, I just scored a touch. I, I just, one of my favorite guys. And I, I was, when I saw that you wanted to do remember when about Marvin Jones in this particular game, I was like, hell yeah, because I, I really, really like that player. And for a fifth round pick, he's 10 years into the league. He's 32. He's, he looks phenomenal for being 32, but he's on his third team now and a really productive career with the Detroit Lions, a place where not a lot of people are productive. Now he's two years into his career with the Jaguars. He's free from the grasps of Urban Meyer, who, again, Marvin <laughs> Jones, like, yeah. like you, I mean, you, you said it perfectly. Like, he's the nicest human being. It would be impossible to piss him off. And somehow Urban Meyer managed to do that exact thing. So hopefully he has a more enjoyable experience under Doug Marone with Trevor Lawrence as his quarterback. Hopefully he lasts in this league for a little bit longer because the league is better when Marvin Jones' smile is in it. Yep. Great dude. Good job, John, on the remember when for this week with Marvin Jones. We're going to drop the mic and get out of here going a little long, but that was because of a fantastic and fun interview. We hope you enjoyed it with Mark Bergen and Ike Taylor of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Just quickly, my thing, John, um, bad, uh, bad and sad day for oh the Baltimore Ravens. Good Lord. I, 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 you know, you just look at, what, what's going on there and it's Jalen Ferguson and Tony Siragusa I, I think for better or for worse Tony Siragusa a, a more known name part of that great Ravens defense with Marvin Lewis uh, huge personality in a lot of different ways and a guy that was on Fox Sports calling you know I think he was with Moose Johnston and uh, I can't remember who the other commentator was there but you know, a guy that was around football long after his career, a very likable guy, a guy that just kind of played up to that big teddy bear kind of guy and, um, you know, was a jokester and all kinds of things and a critical part of that, um, you know, that that 
Ravens defense and Jalen Ferguson, what was he, 26 years old? Um, yep. Very, very sad. And, you know, just sad day for the Baltimore Ravens. We're talking about AFC North previews and stuff, but my God, that is just, just gut punch, not only for the organization, not only for those two, the families of those two, but the fans and everything, just, a, just a sad day there. Like, I mean, Syracuse wasn't, wasn't exactly old. He was 55, but that, 55. Was, that was still pretty, yeah, yeah it's still pretty shocking. Like as a well-known player, but man, like, Ferguson, I think, is the third active NFL player to have passed away just this offseason. I feel like we may see one like once every like couple of years, and it's always tragic. We've seen three in like the last three months. It's just wild. Yeah, sad, sad, sad. Don't mean to bring a somber tone to it, but um, thoughts with the Ravens organization, the families of both of those current and former players and um, the fans there. Yeah, man. Um, but I think next week, continuing with AFC North, we're going to try to get uh, Jeff Lloyd on from Locked On Browns to preview, round out our AFC North recap series with a team that, you know, is barely in the news anymore these days with the Cleveland Browns. So we're saving the, <laughs> the, the least dramatic for last, if you will. So expect that sometime next week with, with in a separate episode or in our main episode. We've yet to figure out the logistics there. But yeah, Jeff Lloyd, Locked On Browns, definitely check out their podcast cool. beforehand. And definitely check us out next week. Looking forward to that. And I appreciate you coordinating that one, John. It's been a lot of fun talking with uh, some folks that cover the AFC North teams and do a very good job in doing so. Um, again, our thanks to former Steelers cornerback Ike Taylor and Mark Bergen, who is at WRAL and both are hosts of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Our thanks again to Justin from Engraven Vids. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel. He does a great job, and uh, we look forward to potentially speaking to Jeff Lloyd of the Locked on Browns podcast. So thanks, everybody. Appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully you've enjoyed this. Again, subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's a logo underneath John and underneath that SB Nation logo, so, so click that subscribe click the bell to be notified when we go live when new content is available and then of course get the cincy jungle podcast channel coming up uh on your favorite audio platforms subscribe to it and give a five-star review we appreciate it john uh have a good week my friend you as well all right take care everybody (laughs) 